Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Friday episode of the show. And we are brought to you by betonline.ag, the number one spot for all the sports action. They've got tons of great odds, props. They have contests. They have NFL, college football, NHL, boxing, UFC, even Vegas casino games. So many great things going on, and we have a deal for you. Check out their newly updated website, and if you sign up today, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, and BetOnline is where the game starts. Kyle, happy Friday to you. Happy Friday, indeed, uh, for many teams across the NFL. This is your last weekend of action uh, for a little over half the league. And we're going to get into uh, a couple of those teams today uh, who are going, hoping to go out with a bang. And then you have just a couple of teams uh, lingering, hoping to get in, you know, on either side, there's at least one playoff spot that is yet to be settled. So uh, our concept today is the Levy grail. And we're going to cover the teams that were eliminated at the end of action in week 17. If I can say one thing here before we dive into the Levy Grail, thanks to everyone who came out for the live mock draft yesterday, last night on TDN's YouTube page. Kyle, I, Kyle, myself, and Chris, we did a, a live mock draft, and I thought it was really, really good. Um, Chris and his creative staff did a great job of putting together some fun production, and it was really neat to hear Somebody in the comments say something along the lines of, oh, it's it's not just a live Google sheet anymore. This is a legit production. So uh, hats off to uh, to you, Chris and Henry, for everything that went into uh, a really fun event. And everyone can go back and watch it on our YouTube channel. Yeah, shout out to, uh, as we refer to him, King Henry. King uh, Henry. For all the work that he did putting that together for us. And yeah, a lot of fun. You can go back and watch it both on the Twitter account and it is on the YouTube channel uh, for the Draft Network. And we're going to be doing more of these. Uh, we're going to add some elements in as this goes on. Uh, this was kind of the launch into the 2022 draft cycle. So trades will be in there in the future. We'll do all sorts of different things as we continue to do this. But I uh, appreciate everybody who uh, hung out with us last night. It was a lot of fun. Okay, Levy Grail, lots of teams to get to, guys. Six teams on the docket for today. Fight on, my men. I am hurt, but I'm not slain. I'll lay me down and bleed a while, and then I'll rise and fight again. The, the words that Marv Levy gave to the Buffalo Bills after they continued to lose Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl. We are here to inspire hope as your teams have now been eliminated from the playoffs, but we're going to find those reasons for optimism that next year you're not part of the Levy Grail. I have a question before we get started on the Dolphins, who we're doing first. Please, go right yeah. ahead. So I'm I'm going to Miami on Sunday for the finale, and it's a day trip. And my question is, do I – how do I dress if I'm making the trip there and back on the same day in which it's 19 degrees where I live <laughs> and it's 78 in Miami Gardens? How do I go about 
doing this in one shot like this. Kyle, if there's anything I know about you, it's your ability to pack a book bag. And so you got to give yourself options. You got to give yourself plenty of options. I've seen you live a week off of a damn book bag. I know there's a problem here, though. There's a problem here, and I think I know the problem. Kyle is Kyle. You're not you're not sitting in the the crowd. You are going into a different area, correct? You're in the media section. So I'm. Um, I like to go to Miami games and sit in the stands and root for, like, actively root for the team instead of being like in the professional setting. Uh, from there, I am. I do have an arrangement with Joe Rose of WQAM Dolphins Radio uh, to go down at some point to the club level and watch some of the game with him and Jason Taylor and so on and so forth. The problem, the real root of the problem is I'm doing this in one day. I'm flying there. I'm going to the game. I'm coming back. There is no bag to pack. Right. Can you get, well, and whatever bag you bring, but But, whatever bag he brings. But Joe, how am I going to get into the stadium with a book bag? That's the the point I was making. You've got to get inside with the bag. I've got it. Kyle, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. It will be cold on your walk from your car to the airport and from the airport to your car. Everything else, you dress for Miami. You just got to get through so however long those walks are. I'm gonna be so I'm gonna be so sick next week. Yeah, for <laughs> ten minutes. For ten minutes, you can't now, spend you ex- eight hours in Miami and be overdressed. This is a bit of a nuclear option, but you know some people down there that like to do some pregame festivities. Could you potentially leave the bag there and come get it later? Ooh, I'm gonna have to text him. Shoot what their answer is. Because you know the people. You know the people I'm talking about. I know they're gonna be there. Could you leave the bag with them? I'm sure you could. They've been texting me all week. They're pumped. Okay, you're good. You're good then. I think solved. Solved. Okay, great. All right, can we solve this crowdsourcing opportunity? Let's solve the dolphins, shall we? The dolphins here. I, I feel like you should go first for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I can rip through, do do the whole punch list if you want. Uh, they're going to be number one in the league in salary cap spending entering into this offseason. Uh, you managed to string together seven consecutive wins, and I understand there was some skepticism on the legitimacy of, of a seven-game win streak with the teams that they played. But you know, for a team that was hoping to have double-digit wins this season and an opportunity to secure a winning season against New England on Sunday – uh, the fact that you rebounded the way that you did and didn't let the wheels completely fall off the bus, uh, Brian Flores taking over a more active role in defensive play calling, I think kind of reaffirmed his his wheelhouse. And I think what's very clear for Miami is what you need to do this offseason. And that makes it a little bit more easily digestible in, in that if you have a clear and obvious upgrade opportunity at the quarterback position, which they've shown they have the interest in doing, you need to take that opportunity, uh, in my opinion. I'm not sitting here saying draft Kenny Pickett in the first round. No. If you have a high-level starting quarterback in the NFL, and they've shown that they're interested in doing this, that you can secure, you need to take that opportunity and do that. You need to invest every single thing that you have on for assets on the offensive side of the football. You know, when you have the flexibility, you have enough draft capital, even if you trade some of it away, You've got two future uh, ones next year. Uh, you have number one salary cap space. You can generate an additional $10 million by cutting guys like Seathan Carter and Jesse Davis and Clayton Fejdalum. Get those guys off the roster and you can save another $10 million in cap space. Um, but you, you had a lot of ones, a lot of twos, and a lot of threes in the last couple of, of NFL draft classes. And that nucleus, even with the misses, 
is a very healthy blend of young, talented contributors that are going to continue to develop and get better and give you a strong nucleus to work with. It's just a question of whether or not the people who are here to make those decisions and bring those guys in are going to be the ones who reap the benefit of their development long term because you as a team are now on the clock as far as getting this thing turned around. And I think uh, a losing record in 2022 is not going to cut it. So you have to act accordingly. Uh, I won't add much, but I will say you got some really dynamic young talent and there's a lot of good players. I won't mention guys like Brandon Jones and Robert Hunt, but I think you have superstar potential in Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland. That yeah. that's huge. Um, and I think you have gained good clarity on your quarterback situation and you have the information you need to make a good choice moving forward. And I think you have a good understanding of what your ceiling as a football team is with Tua. Maybe you haven't learned everything. Maybe it's not perfect, but they give a pretty strong indicator, which should set yourself up, set you up well to make a good choice on that this offseason. Cleveland. Cleveland Browns. Um, Man, there's so many different ways to start this conversation. I feel like I want to begin with that your offensive line is intact. You you brought back Teller. You found a way to do it. Everybody's back for that offensive line. And overall, you're not you're not slated to lose much in free agency. Uh, Clowney's a free agent. David Njoku's a free agent. But I'm not sure there's a whole lot else that is meaningful. And so the ingredients of your football team are very much still intact. And you have $40 million in cap space. And of course you know, a reasonably high draft pick, a top 20 pick to add to your football team. And so I think that's a really good starting point for a team that everyone had high expectations for. Those ingredients are basically coming back next year with an opportunity to add. And, you know, obviously they've already made some adjustments, but I think from a personnel perspective, we're not really concerned about this team getting worse. Yeah. Uh, I love the point that you made about retaining the offensive line and, um, I think you look at at both sides of the football, and there, there's plus starters in a number of different spots. Yeah. You know, he, he, the development of Miles Garrett as a pass rusher and his, his continued dominance as a player, and uh, what you have in Denzel Ward, and, and you know, what you saw from Greg Newsom as a rookie this year in certain spurts, and John Johnson's a good player, and like you got a lot to work with on the defensive side of the ball, in addition to that offensive line and that running game that you talked about. So, um, yeah, I think that's where you have to start is this team is more physically talented than their record, I think, would indicate. And I understand some of that is because the quarterback is hurt. Um, I understand some of that is tied directly to the limitations of a quarterback who has been playing hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, whether or not they choose to continue to invest in him in, or not, that's not really in the spirit of today's conversation or the concept of today's show and, and looking at things from a positive light because uh, that's going to be a pretty – a difficult conversation to have and, and come to a conclusion on one way or another. But uh, at the very least, the Browns are a much more talented football team than this eight and nine, nine and eight, wherever they're going to end up falling um, record would suggest that they are. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Greg Newsom, Jeremiah, Wusu Koromoa. Those guys look yeah. like absolute studs on the defensive side of the football to go with Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. And it's just a really nice collection of talent here. And so get healthy, regroup, evaluate what went wrong and your position well to just kind of pick things up and 
you know, it's hard. It's hard to meet expectations a lot of times, and and expectations were high. I said Cleveland was a top three team in the AFC, and I think a lot of people echoed those thoughts. Now the now that's gone, right? Now you got to go out there and you can kind of embrace that that hunter's mentality again and come out with that chip on your shoulders and recapture what people thought you could be entering the season. Denver, the Denver Broncos. This is one of the best defenses in football, right? I mean, you have to start with the defense. Yep. And that that's even with uh, the trade of, of Von Miller, you know, this, and this has been a team like many teams across the league that has, has struggled with some player availability and whether it's COVID or otherwise related. And, this team hasn't given up 300 points this far this season. Um, Vic Fangio very clearly has mastered that side of the football. Um, what is uh, also appealing about Denver, in my opinion, is you look at the other side of the ball and the skilled players that are present and some of the physicality that exists along the offensive line. The Denver Broncos, I genuinely think you can say, are a team that is one player away. Yep from being a legitimate contender. And anytime you have that level of clarity on the rest of your roster, if they end up being who we think they are again in 2022 and they go out and they find that one player, this is a team I think could win 11 plus games next year. I agree. And I said this on the live mock last night. I love that the framework of this team is, is really in place in so many different ways. Physical offensive line, Javante Williams, who looks like a star in the making at running back. And when Denver has that type of potency at running back and in the run game, in those elements where other teams are huffing and puffing in the fourth quarter, you're going to have a lot of success. And I like that they have a team that's designed to be that way. We haven't even mentioned that this team has $45 million in cap space, which is ninth most in the NFL. And of course, full complement of draft picks. And so, it's it's really simple. Go get yourself a quarterback and become a contender right away in the AFC. You have to say nice things about the next team, okay? Nice things. Washington? The Washington, the Washington football team. That's no problem. Go yeah, ahead. I don't I'll I'll start where I did with the Browns. Your offensive line is set. Uh Chase Rulier, Charles Leno, Wes Schweitzer, Sam Cosme. You got a really nice quartet of blockers there and you have the money to bring back Brandon Scherf you have 60 million dollars in cap space that's fourth most in the NFL and so when you think about that offensive line and the talent that they have at the skill positions you're in pretty good shape to get a quarterback and get things right for this football team and I won't take all the talking points because there's plenty to say about the talent that they have on defense but what you have in place we talk so much about quarterbacks going into really hard situations because there's not a good infrastructure around them. Not the case in Washington. I got a legit offensive line for you. I've got legit receivers. I got a nice tight end situation. Come on, let's go and hit the ground running. Getting Chase Young back. Yeah. Seeing what he becomes in year three. Having the, uh, the pass rush presence that they have outside of Chase Young and Montez Sweat. They they have a, a front that is capable of a lot of organic pressure, and you know I think you had mentioned the quarterback position. We'll see what they end up doing with Scherf at right guard, um, but I mean you even look beyond that and, and look to the defensive side of the ball. I think there's some improvements to be made in the back the back four in the secondary, but like you know who a lot of your nucleus is going to be mm-hmm. on 
on that side of the ball as well. And um, it's unfortunate. I would have liked to have seen what this season would have looked like for them had Ryan Fitzpatrick not missed effectively the entire year with a pretty significant injury. Um, Taylor Heinke has been fine, uh, but I think we both agree he's he's not somebody you want in that seat long term. So you're probably going to have an opportunity in this year's class to potentially find a QB2 or a QB3 in the actual NFL draft. Uh, that makes sense to you, depending on those teams in front of you and how assertive they are to go out and, and get established players. And I think you could look at the case of Denver and Miami uh, and th- just those two teams by themselves. And if they choose to to make a quarterback change, it's probably going to be for a quarterback who's existed in the NFL. So Washington, I think, is going to have um, a pretty good shot here to lock down one of the top rookie quarterbacks if that's the path that they want to take and probably their top rookie because we talked to a Jim yesterday on the podcast you know there's five six guys in the conversation and you can make a legitimate case for just about every one of them and so there's a good chance that you have to do nothing in terms of moving up or down the board it can land your top guy yeah they're in good shape man they have talent they're close they're close I'd also add one more thing to the the quarterback scenario. If they do want to move up, they have two teams, although I don't know if the Giants necessarily would play ball. They have two teams that have two picks in front of them that might be willing to move back a couple of spots. So if they do get scared that somebody's going to come up in front of them, they're able to do so. Very good. Love it. I love it. Atlanta Falcons? Yeah. Is that our our next team? Okay, so Atlanta – it's interesting. The report came out this week that uh, Atlanta and Calvin Ridley may be looking to kind of part ways and go in different directions. But if I'm Atlanta, I look at what you got from Kyle Pitts this year uh, and his contributions. He absolutely looks like the real deal, even without having Calvin Ridley at the picture. Uh, you have a first year head coach in 2020 who is going to have an opportunity to having evaluated the roster and they're going to have a chance to finish with eight wins this season, you know, right around 500. If they end up winning on Sunday, um, the metrics aren't particularly good. The point differential is not good, but if you are Atlanta and you use this year as an evaluation window and you still somehow manage to win eight games and you're going to have a veteran quarterback, um, your, your top five pick from this past year looks like a home run selection for you. Uh, you're going to have another top 10 selection this year when it's all said and done. I think you can really help mold and shape the vision of what Arthur Smith wants to be, particularly offensively, where you scored 293 points through 16 games this season, um, and get your personnel in a spot where you can run the kind of offense that Arthur Smith wants to run. And when that is closer to its final form, I think we'll have a much better idea of who Arthur Smith is as a head coach. Yeah, I think you you really hit on the main thing that I was hoping to, to mention with Atlanta is that metrically, this was one of the worst teams in the NFL. There's nothing about the statistics here or whatever you want, whatever you want to cling to. It doesn't look good for Atlanta. But they won seven games already. And that, that says you have something going there. Um, and I think it's going to be a big deal for them, like you mentioned, on offense to to mold that roster, but also on defense where you brought in Dean Pease, you're doing a lot of hybrid and odd front type stuff, and you didn't really have a lot of the ingredients necessary to run that type of defense. You don't really have a nose. You don't have 
the, the gap control five techniques. You don't have necessarily downhill linebackers. And so um, they will be a lot better for it to have an offseason or another offseason to get the players that they want to run these schemes. Um, and that's going to be a big deal, not to mention, you know, A.J. Terrell, who's become an absolute star at receiver. Uh, just a really exciting breakout season for him at corner. Amen. One Vikings. more team, Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I want to I want to talk about the um, the offense here for for Minnesota um, because there's a lot of really good things going. Uh, starting with Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. I mean, one of the best wide receiver one RB one tandems in all of the NFL. And you have this offensive line that's coming together. Christian Derisop showed plenty of promise this year at left tackle. Uh, Brian O'Neill is a stud at right tackle. Ezra Cleveland is coming into his own at guard. Uh, Garrett Bradbury continues to be a bit inconsistent. I'd like to see what he looks like with maybe a better option next to him at one of those guard spots. But you have a good nucleus of offensive linemen in place with a really exciting pair of weapons here in Jefferson and Cook. And K.J. Osborne showed plenty of promise this year. And Adam Thielen's still there. So I really like what you have from an offensive perspective in terms of that O-line and playmakers. Out of all the teams we've done, I think Minnesota is the team that I look at and say, man, like you guys were really close. Have you done the inventory on their losses this year, Joe, by chance? No, I haven't. So they're seven and nine. Okay. They lost in week one to Cincinnati in overtime by three. So, Chris, I know nobody here is math guys. But can you add up their margin of defeat as I kind of work through the schedule here, starting with three in overtime in week one against Cincinnati? Can you just give me a second? Let me get the calculator up here just so just so we're, we're clear here. Okay, the calculator is up. So three is Great. the first number? Okay. Yes, three in overtime week one. Week two, they lost at Arizona by a score of 34 to 33. One point. That's one point. Okay. They lost week four to the Cleveland Browns by a score of 14 to seven. So another one score loss. Good. You got that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure. Uh, Week eight, they lose to Dallas by four, 20 to 16. Good. Yeah. Week nine, they lose in overtime to the Baltimore Ravens, 34 to 31. Another three point loss. Okay, there's a loss at San Francisco by eight points, 34 to 26. Technically a one-score loss. Mm-hmm. Week 13, lose at Detroit, 29 to 27. Yep, okay. The following uh, loss that they have is week 16, they lost at or at home against the LA Rams, 30 to 23. Final uh, margin of feet, defeat was seven points. Okay, I've done the math. So they're, they got blown out last week against Green Bay. That's not really the point. They, they had kind of – the bottom had fallen out on them by that point anyway. So those eight losses, what was the average margin of defeat across those eight losses? So it's 35 total points over God, the course of the eight math. games. Divided by the eight is 4.375 points. They lost eight games by four and a half points on average. You're close. Now, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, right? Like, it's not – you don't get any 
marginal defeats as this isn't hockey where you get a point for an overtime loss. So unfortunately, your record are, is what you say you are. And going into the home game against Chicago, which I expect you'll win that football game, uh, you're you're seven and nine. But you guys were really close in a lot of games. And a couple bounces of the ball different. If two balls bounce differently in just overtime, you're nine and seven. You probably have a playoff spot clinch going into week seven or week 18 against the Bears. Plus all the talent things that Joe worked his way through. No team in the NFL, in the history of the NFL, has a richer history of heartbreak than the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, that's just, that's kind of been their, their story as a franchise. So I'm sure Vikings fans are listening to this and saying, yep, sounds like the Minnesota Vikings. Right. Here's one other thing that I'll say about Minnesota. And, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I guess it is. They've made 38 draft picks over the last three years. I'm guessing that's the most in the NFL. Now, I understand a lot of those players are not around still, but they've still made those types of investments. They still have a lot of young talent on this mm-hmm. roster. And so another year in the NFL, you know, a lot of these players should start to really peak and come into stride next year and in the following year. So there's there's a lot of young players that they've relied on and, and have in the pipeline. How about DJ Wanham, tied for the team lead in sacks? Cam Bynum as well has been a really nice surprise for them on defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I think that's a successful venture through uh, the Week 17 elimination teams, and I think we stay true to the spirit of the Levy Grail uh, with each one of these conversations. And so we're going to get a, just a couple more teams, right, this weekend? I don't have the actual numbers in front of me, but I think it's like three more yeah, there's, teams we're so going to get next I week. Yeah, so I think there's – Two spots technically open in the AFC uh, with the Colts at nine and seven, uh, the Chargers and the Raiders at nine and seven. I think one of those teams is going to be on the outside and Steelers at eight, seven and nine. So two of those teams are going to be outside looking in and then one team on the NFC side. Wait, the Ravens too. (laughs) I will tell you, these are the five teams that are still alive in the AFC playoff picture. Colts, Chargers, Raiders, Steelers, Ravens. So three of those teams will be joining us next week and then on the nfc side either san francisco or new orleans will be joining us so we'll have four teams to do next week get 49ers out of here it's not their episode of leave a grill so i can actively root against them <laughs> i had a um a stat to leave you both with and it's in regards to monday's national championship game and I'm pulling it up as we speak. It completely slipped my mind that that's Monday, by the way. Like, it, oh, it, it, yeah, completely slipped my mind. Really? Slipped your mind the way the ticket prices are slipping for that game. Have you seen what those have done? No, I, they, I they, are, they are just they are just not doing well. So here's the stat. Georgia, Alabama have played 240 minutes of football in their last four meetings. 2017 National Championship game, 2018 SEC Championship game, 2020 regular season, and 2021 SEC Championship game. Okay. Georgia has either led or tied. This is courtesy of Ross Dellinger, by the way. Georgia has either led or tied for 171 of those 240 minutes, which is 71%, and they are 0 and 4. 0 and 4. I was just going to say, I can't think of a win. Wow. 0 and 4. Remember that time I offered that deal to the Georgia fans? At the tailgate. How could I possibly forget? They said no. <laughs> well, 
We hope you say yes to more draft dudes in your life. That's going to do it for us this week. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, and Chris Schubert. Make it a great one. Enjoy the weekend. Last regular season games uh, for some of the teams across the NFL. We will be with you every step of the way through the offseason. However, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert. Thanks as always for listening. Talk to you guys again on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.